0: Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda.
1: Oh, I really love buttons.
0: She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes.
1: Aw, thank you, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome, as always. Well, hello there, my friends. Good day to you all. Welcome back to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. But first, we have a new graphic. Check me out. I am a cartoon. And even I even got Raven in there, and he's just so adorable. I love it. Anywho. So for today's show, we do have some disappointing news about Payday 3. We're going to have to say goodbye to something from Rooster Teeth, Xbox Live Gold, Tupac, Spongebob, and more. Get comfy, my friends. Let's get started. for wonky internet users and those of you leading the rich lives of hermits out in the woods. Heyday 3's developers have confirmed that the upcoming multiplayer heist-em-up game will be uncompromisingly always online. Boo! Anyway, fans have speculated that this might be the case for quite some time, and ever since the game's system specs on Steam started featuring a requirement for broadband internet connection earlier this year. But it was confirmed by Starbreeze global brand director Almir Listo in a recent stream. Dang it, I really don't want to be online for this. I mean, come on, that worked so well for Diablo 3, right? Now, the reasons for this are apparently tied to the game's cross progression functionality. Listo justified Paydays 3's shift to Always Online by pointing out that it's made in Unreal Engine. It's using cross progression and cross-play. And I do believe we need you to be online, my dudes. Dude, seriously. Okay. Given that Payday 1 and 2 features some kind of offline mode, letting you do the solo version with AI help, fans haven't been thrilled by the news that the third game is officially undergoing this transition to always online. A fan by the name of Crust is on the Steam forum, for the game said it was very sad to see them take this route. Payday 3 will shut down one day, become inaccessible thereafter. This game is on death row. Those kind of sentiments are echoed all over the place. One top voted comment from a fan called Newbie Chris on the Payday subreddit said I think Always Online is like one of the worst features you can have for a game. Another Reddit user who said he understood Starbreeze's reasoning, um, a user by the name of Bunkarski worried about, well, you know, what happens when the game reaches the end of its support? Does everyone just lose access to everything? Will the heist be hosted like in Payday 2 on dedicated servers? Other players have other complaints. Some are just flat out worried that their dodgy internet connections are just going to screw them over. And what's going to happen when the broadband gives out mid-match? Others fear that this means the total death of the Payday modding scene as well. User Shrek Damage said Payday 2 will live forever because of mods. Payday 3 will live for a few months until Starbreeze goes out of business for how badly they're screwing over this game. It's, it's not especially likely that Starbreeze will end up defunct over this, but the comment just it speaks to a real concern among players of the Payday community. Now still there are some users who kinda welcome the news, although most all almost always there was some trepidation with the comments. But a player by the name of Keohane said that as long as Star servers can handle the load, it will add portability to save files, cut down on hackers and cheating. Please let's have let that happen. And ensure that they have good telemetry on what players keep coming back to, what didn't work, you know, all of which I'm fine with, unquote. Okay course they went on to say that they plan to ream Starbreeze out if the servers do happen to buckle. That's honestly about as positive a reaction as you can find among the players at least as far as I could see and I'm one of them. We'll have to see if Starbreeze's choice will make a dent in the player count when it finally releases on September 21st of this year. Rooster Teeth has announced that its long-running Halo web series, Red vs. Blue, will be concluding for good at the end of its next season. That is a major bummer. As a company, Rooster Teeth has been making some pretty big changes over the last few years, and the cancellation of Red vs. Blue is just another end of an era. Now, in recent years, Rooster Teeth has become more known for its anime, Ruby. And it's easy to forget where the company began. Red vs. Blue began all the way back in 2003 and became an enormous hit among gamers online. It was actually one of the first popular uses of Machinima, which is not to be confused by the defunct YouTube channel by the name of Machinima, where creators would sync up in-game footage with audio and voiceovers to create a whole new story. In a way... It popularized an entire medium, which it's a pretty remarkable legacy for Red vs. Blue to leave. Rooster Teeth made the announcement on Twitter confirming that the upcoming series, Red vs. Blue Restoration, would be its final outing. The last series, Red vs. Blue Zero, aired all the way back in 2020. So it's been a pretty long wait for us fans of the series to finally get the conclusion. But interestingly. Restoration will receive, receive the return of Bernie Burns, Gus Sarola, Jeff Ramsey, and Matt Hollum in the roles of Church, Simmons, Griff, and Sarge, respectively. Hot dog. The four of them were absent from the series Zero. However, they're the characters that started it all back two decades ago. Bernie Burns actually left Rooster Teeth back in 2020, so it is really awesome to see him return. To give Red vs Blue the true swan song it deserves. The announcement unfortunately didn't make it clear when fans and gamers could expect Restoration to begin airing however it did kind of give a vague sometime this fall at least it's something. With the return of the original cast it will certainly be interesting to see what approach is taken to this final season. A lot of people felt that the plot of Red vs Blue had started becoming too complex over the years. And the series could take this as an opportunity to return back to the original formula, season one, where drama takes a backseat to the awesome comedy. Red versus Blue's fight scenes, though, have been one of the big beneficiaries of the series' jump and scale. So for some, a regression to the formula of old could be seen as a step back. Now, Although the days of Halo Machinima are long gone, Red vs. Blue was that one show that endured the test of time with viewers tuning in even as that plot did become more complex and the animation became more detailed and to some it did lose a lot of the charm that made it so endearing early on but there is no denying the legacy it will leave when it airs for that final time. Over the years Halo has even gone so far as to reference Red vs. Blue in a variety of ways. Paying homage to this beloved series. And it's clear that Rooster Teeth had earned the respect of the developers at Bungie and 343 Industries, with many of the voice actors from the Red vs. Blue series even having small cameos in the Halo titles across the years. It's really a bummer. I seriously enjoyed this series. So I'm going to leave it with the great words of Agent Carolina Never say goodbye. Even if you don't say goodbye, you aren't really gone. You just aren't here right now. Nope, not good enough. Hey, Raven, do the thing. Yeah, that's so much better. You know, I think after this show, we probably should go ahead and start a rewatch of the series one thing. This next story is some next-level detective stuff. This one's actually kind of interesting. So the FBI ended up using Nintendo Switch data to help find a girl that was missing. She was more than 2,000 miles away from home. They used the location data to return this girl safe to her, her family. There was this recent missing persons report case that came out of Virginia. And it's actually been solved thanks to this unconventional tool. And the FBI revealed that the switch was used to locate this missing 15-year-old. And she has been returned to her family. So according to the court documents that were obtained by ABC 15 in Arizona, the girl whose name was not disclosed because she's a minor, she disappeared from her home on August 3rd of 2022. Many attempts to find her They failed, they scoured the neighborhoods, they set up search parties, and one day this friend of hers just noticed that her Nintendo Switch Online account was showing recent activity and he alerted the authorities. The girl had befriended, this is basically what happened to her, the girl had befriended a 28-year-old man by the name of Ethan Roberts on the internet. Never a good idea. Roberts traveled from Arizona to Virginia to meet the minor and then took her home with him to uh, a place called Tolson, Arizona. And unfortunately, she eventually was forced into um, child videos of an inappropriate nature. As the documents revealed, Roberts allowed her to bring her Nintendo Switch on the trip. Big mistake on his part, a miracle on her part. And when she connected it to the internet to just watch YouTube and download a game, the friend noticed that she was online and called the police. So an inquiry was made from Nintendo and it turned up his IP address, the man's IP address, and authorities were able to go find his apartment in Arizona and arrest him 11 days after she disappeared. Retired Arizona Department of Safety Uh, Director Frank Milstead talked to ABC 15 and he said it's probably nothing that anybody ever would have thought of at this point. The fact that someone else down the road, another child, was bright enough to go, hey, look, my friend's online. She's been missing. I need to tell somebody is amazing. Roberts was indicted on federal court on multiple charges, which included the uh, child inappropriate videos and transportation of a minor with intent to engage in criminal activity with her. After a plea deal, he was sentenced to 30 years in federal prison. Major props to the friend for noticing the activity as well as to the FBI for taking this kid's tip seriously. I am so glad to hear that this young lady is back home safe with her family. Sad news, my friends, Xbox Live Gold is ending after 18 years. Microsoft is getting ready to launch Game Pass Core instead. After nearly two decades, Xbox Live Gold will die on September 14th. And that is a really horrible way to say that. I mean, what are they really going to do? Knife the server? Oh, come on. Heck, man. Just say retired. It's more humane. Gold is being replaced by Xbox Game Pass Core, a cheaper version of the Game Pass service that will allow gamers to play online together as well as it'll have a curated selection of games to play. Now you're still going to have access to the games that you downloaded via the program because Games with Gold is going away too, but there are a couple of things to consider. Now originally launched back in 2002, shortly after the launch of the original Xbox, Xbox Live quickly became the standard for online play on consoles. And the service evolved with the 360, featuring various networking capabilities like cross-game voice chat messaging. That was huge. And in 2013, Xbox Live Gold started offering free games every month with the Games with Gold program. But in 2017, Microsoft turned to offering another online service with Game Pass which allowed players to download countless games for $11 a month on the console. So what they're doing essentially now is they're fusing these services together starting September 14th. With the Xbox Live Gold branding is now being phased out, Games with Gold will end on September 1st. And Core, which will cost about $10 a month, is going to offer about 25 games to play and access the online multiplayer. So let's go ahead and get this big question out of the way first yes you will be able to access games that you have downloaded via the games with gold program but the catch is this for xbox one games you need to remain a core or ultimate subscriber to keep those games according to microsoft xbox 360 360 games are exempt from this requirement that's awesome news actually if you are an existing gold subscriber they're going to automatically convert you to a core member on the 14th. And Microsoft did provide a list of games that will be available when this service is launched. And they're going to add more ahead of of the launch. Um, But the initial list has been released. And I'll go ahead and I'll post the link in the description so you can see it. I'm not going to sit here and read all of them to you because it's a fairly good sized list. So I'll go ahead and I'll post that for you. Now the pricing, the pricing of the service, it's a little curious, at least at first glance. $10 a month, the full Xbox Game Pass on console is just a dollar extra. So Core is 10, Game Pass on console is a dollar more, so $11. So it's hard to imagine, I guess, why someone would choose not to just spend that extra dollar and get access to a far larger game library that they add to every month. I mean, it means Microsoft's now actually matching PlayStation's, um, their Plus Essential service. It's about the same price, similar library of games, but Sony's version still offers a couple of free games every month to their subscribers. It's kind of a curious move, but if you look a little further, I did find the catch. Console tier does not include multiplayer. So the $11 version of the Game Pass doesn't have multiplayer but the core version a dollar less does have it so if multiplayer is a must have stick with core or go to essential or ultimate but console apparently won't be won't be it for you but core will include that online multiplayer i'm not massively into multiplayer myself so for me console will be fine but there are those that it is multiplayer or bust this is going to be just fine for you. So keep an eye out for that. Lisa, that releases on September the 14th. And more information will be coming out. Um, as Microsoft. Does release that, that data. Especially the updated list of games. So we'll keep you up to date on that. As we find out more. In the meantime. Rest in peace gold. Pass our old friend. I think we're going to miss you. One of the most unlike people in professional wrestling and entertainment was recently attacked and for once it wasn't part of the show and no I'm not talking about Vince McMahon I am sorry. The wrestling world it can really be an odd and an interesting place and honestly the fans are for the most part pretty just awesome and we all know that wrestlers are putting on the show inside the ring and outside and it's not often that you see them out of character in public but sometimes the show continues well outside the ring and fans and staff can sometimes will get a little carried away. Enter the AAA Triple Mania 31 event down in Tijuana, Mexico. All Elite Wrestling's Don Callis, the glasses wearing worm looking dude. I mean, seriously, go Google his image. He looks like a worm wearing glasses. I'll wait. See, what did I tell you, right? Huh? Okay. So Don Callis is a heel character. And for those who are not in the wrestling jargon, no. It means he's the bad guy. So boo as loud as you want. And honestly, he had a recent microphone appearance. And when we were watching this, we couldn't hear him. The crowd was so loud. I love AEW's fans. They're amazing. Anywho, back to Triple Mania. Don Callis was assaulted by a fan following the Triple Mania event back on the 15th of July. Now, Brian Alvarez, who is a former wrestler and currently a reporter, he reported that there was a post-show press conference where wrestler Kenny Omega was confronted by Don Callis, leading to this angle where Omega was attacked by Kenosuke Takeshita, continuing their AEW feud storyline. And as security was breaking up the fight, that's when a fan jumped in and attacked Callis from behind. Now, Alvarez said, quote, everything was an angle. Side note, m- angle just means it's part of the show. Continuing, everything was an angle up until that point. But then the fan, who was apparently upset about what Don had said to Kenny, jumped Don from behind. He ripped his suit, concussed his eardrum, and busted open his mouth while trying to choke out Don from behind. Don screaming profanities at the fan before he was pulled off and was said to be completely livid afterwards, unquote. Now, the current storyline that has fans riled up is that Callis has betrayed Omega and has been having him attacked ever since. And I guess there are some people who are just taking it a little bit personal. Callus's neck and ankle were both also injured in the attack, and he headed to San Diego for medical attention after the event is reiterated that the situation was absolutely not a work, meaning this was not scripted at all. So on a personal level, I hope Dawn is okay. Speedy recovery, my dude. On a wrestling level, go away, Callis. Far, far away. A Canadian TikToker has now been arrested for allegedly committing false crimes in order to grow his follower account. TikTokers are starting to go to really great extremes to boost their popularity, such as like walking into strangers' houses, making threatening remarks to random people, all in the name of content. We've had TikTokers shot and stabbed recently for their shenanigans. However, these controversial videos you have a tendency to land viral creators in hot water? And that is exactly what has happened in Gatineau, Quebec. A man by the name of Anthony Gagné, he drove around in a van labeled free candy. You know, a white windowless van saying free candy. Bro, no. Bad TikToker. Bad. According to police, the influencer by the name of Gagné Power was arrested after police stumbled across his TikTok account. They received a tip and they found several of videos that were trying to actually get the attention of the cops. He's over here waving his hands going, hey dude, look at me. In a press release, the Gatineau police explained how their investigation began. They received a complaint about Gagne driving around the van with the free candy printed on it. Following this complaint, the Gatineau Police Department had to open an investigation during which the police identified several videos featuring Anthony Gagné simulating crimes in order to have the visit of various police services, including the FBI. In one of the other videos they found, Gagné put on a black balaclava and carried a hammer toward a bank at nighttime pretending to rob it because, you know, that's intelligent. Despite the police meeting with Gagne, he continued to make videos, and the authorities found that he's been doing this since 2021 and has amassed over 500,000 followers on TikTok. It's half a million people watching him pull these stunts. On July the 5th, the police searched his home and discovered numerous electronic items in addition to a gas mask, balaclava, the fake blood, vehicle rental contract, He has now been charged also with attempted public mischief. Now, as part of his release, he is prohibited from uploading content to social media, and that includes YouTube. His TikTok account, meanwhile, has since been purged. The police warned others not to follow in Gagne's footsteps and said, gestures or words spoken on social networks are not without consequence. Whether the police are incited virtually or in person to launch an investigation, under a false pretext is a crime." Oh boy okay you know that does make me wonder though have we truly seen the last of Gagné Power or is he going to try to continue production under a new username? Time and the internet will tell all. Netflix has a lot of projects in the works. A lot of projects have gotten the green light some are getting a little bit of a yellow light and then there are some that just get the flat out red light out the door so and it's not unusual to hear more and more about these these days but this one I didn't even know it was going on Masters of the Universe live action movie is no longer happening at Netflix and so the by
0: the power of Grayskull
1: what in the hell no No, no, Adam, sorry. No, I'm so sorry. You, You don't have the power anymore. My bad. The live action Masters of the Universe movie has apparently been in the works at Netflix, but it's no longer moving forward at the streaming platform. This is confirmed by IGN with the source close to production. Variety did first break the news and IGN reached out to Netflix for comment. I haven't heard back yet. Mattel, however, is reportedly still trying to find a home for the project, especially since a really good amount of money has already been shelled out. According to the report from Variety, $30 million has already been spent in development, with the, new, the movie able to sign Kyle Allen to play He-Man, the Lost City's Adam, and then Aaron Nee will direct. In fact, Netflix apparently dropped the project specifically because of budget concerns. And Variety reports that all-in development would basically cost double the $30 million that's already been spent. And that rose a lot of eyebrows down at Netflix. I mean, this is apparently only the latest blow for the Master of the Universe live-action movie. This has been in various stages of development across multiple studios since 2007. It was previously set up at Warner Brothers, and then Sony picked it up for a while. The new movie is set to follow He-Man, also known as Prince Adam as he discovers that he is a prince uh, destined to be the savior of a faraway land. This new take really wouldn't mark the first time He-Man has been seen in live action, but the last time came all the way back in 1987 with Dolph Lundgren in the lead role. While that movie was panned by critics, it's really gained something of a cult following. The property has had more luck on the animated side of Netflix, truly, Uh, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power which are also based on characters from that same property ran on the streaming platform from 2018 to 2020 and Kevin Smith developed Masters of the Universe Revelation which is a direct sequel to the 1980s animated series that was released back in 2021 and he announced a follow-up last year. I would love to see this project find a new home especially because you just know we would be able to see more videos of Prince Adam dancing to Four Non Blondes What's Going On. And now that song is in your head. I'm going to drop a link for those who don't know what I'm talking about so you can join us in this crazy meme land of ours. Have fun with that. Tupac Shakur no. There's a name we haven't heard in a long time. At least when it comes to the ongoing homicide investigation in regards to his death. But we just recently learned that homicide investigation is continuing with the Las Vegas police. And they just issued a new search warrant. So hold the phone. Really? Okay. Check this out. More than 25 years after Tupac died from being shot four times while in his car... Las Vegas police have served a new search warrant in relation to this unsolved murder. Back on July the 17th, the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department searched a home in Henderson, which is just a few miles away from the Vegas Strip, where Shakur was killed after being caught in a drive-by shooting. The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department can confirm a search warrant was served in Henderson, Nevada on July 17th as part of the ongoing Tupac Shakur Homicide Investigation. This is a statement directly from the department. We will have no further comment at this time. Bummer, I know we all wanted to know what they were going for. The rapper, who is considered one of the most beloved artists in hip-hop, died September 7th in 1996 at the age of 25. His death was investigated by federal authorities in both Vegas and Los Angeles, but no one has ever been arrested or even remotely tied to this crime. Nevada, though, does not have a statute of Limitations for prosecuting homicide cases, and the investigation into Shakur's death has been ongoing. Though it's been inactive for pockets of time, it's been ongoing for nearly three decades. Shakur recently received his Hollywood Walk of Fame star. This was done back in June, and family and friends congregated to honor the late artist's lasting legacy. Shakur was also recently the central focus of a new FX series about his relationship with his mother titled Dear Mama, the saga of Afeni and Tupac Shakur and was directed by Alan Hughes. Well, for the sake of his family, I hope they find something so they can give him some sort of justice and a family some peace. Okay, I have a very small confession to make. I was not aware that there was a particular Spongebob Squarepants episode that had been banned. I'm not super surprised in this day and age that it was, honestly. I remember watching this episode when it came out all the way back in 2003, and I thought it was funny myself, personally. The episode in question is called Midlife Crustacean, and it was originally banned due to inappropriate content, which is a very vague way of saying, we're not really going to tell you, we just know it's inappropriate. The episode follows Mr. Krabs. He's grappling with the midlife crisis. Now, fans suspect that it was banned because the part, there was one part of the, the, of the cartoon that showed a panty raid scene in which Mr. Krabs accidentally steals his own mother's underwear. Awkward. And now more than five years, I didn't know this amount of rotation for five years, five years after it was taken out of the rotation, The Spongebob episode was suddenly returned to Paramount Plus earlier this week, only to be removed, like, almost immediately. Very short-lived revival, I must say. Uh, Spongebob originally debuted back in 1999, and it quickly gained a very large audience among kids and some older viewers alike, eventually going on to spawn multiple movies and just a legion of memes. Uh, There was a movie that's coming out based on Sandy Cheeks. That's currently slated for Netflix if it's not canceled, and more spinoffs are expected as well. The series was part of Paramount Plus back in 2021, but Midlife Crustacean was not included in that lineup. And at the time, a Nickelodeon representative told IGN it had been out of the rotation since 2018 following a standards review, in which some of these story elements were determined to not be kid-appropriate. When they were asked for examples, Nickelodeon declined to comment. Midlife Crustacean's unexpected return sparked excitement among the Spongebob fans, only to have their hopes dashed quite expertly. Bravo! A representative from Paramount told IGN, Due to a technical error, the episode was inadvertently posted for a brief period on the Paramount Plus channel on Amazon Prime Video, but it has since been removed. And IGN confirmed that Midlife Crustacean and its companion episode, The Great Snail Race, are now listed as currently unavailable on Prime Video. So it seems that the story of Mr. Krabs's midlife crisis is once again back in Bikini Bottom Jail. Now Midlife Crustacean is not the only Spongebob episode to miss substantial time in the rotation. During the height of the pandemic, Nickelodeon also pulled the episode called Quarantine from the rotation because of its similarities to COVID-19 but they put that one back in 2022 and it hasn't moved since now in the meantime animation fans are continuing to work pretty diligently to preserve lost episodes of Pokemon yeah there's banned episodes of Pokemon Dragon Ball Z and other popular shows and with midlife crustacean apparently unlikely to return anytime soon it would seem they have one more episode to save. Hashtag free Mr. Krabs. Anybody? <laughs> Thank you for that lovely contribution from the peanut gallery Squidward. Look, we know the only reason you want him free is because you want your paycheck. Right? Right? I thought so. All right, y'all ready for this weekly Microsoft Activision update? I swear this thing is just never going to end. All right, to recap. The Federal Trade Commission has been trying for months and months to stop the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard, claiming that they would do damage to the competition, blah, 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 blah. blah. Well, they lost. The FTC did. And they appealed and lost again. So on the United States side of the business, Microsoft was cleared to complete the deal by midnight on July the 18th. Checking calendar. Well, that didn't happen. So now what? Well, the merger has also been hindered by the United Kingdom's Competition and Markets Authority, which blocked the deal earlier this year. Now, both Activision Blizzard and Microsoft have appealed that decision, but it's understood that the appeals process has also been put on hold while all parties are attempting to come to an agreement. And now, the deadline has been extended to October 18th. In a tweet, CEO Phil Spencer confirmed the extension and added... Microsoft remains optimistic about getting this done, and we're excited about bringing more games to more players everywhere. This is a callback to, like, last week. Xbox made an agreement with Sony, and this was a very big announcement, in order to keep Call of Duty on the PlayStation for an initial period of about 10 years after the mergers completed, and that resolved a major point of contention against the deal. Now, in the past several months, the company has also made strides to increase the distribution of its games by making deals with several cloud gaming services as well as Nintendo Entertainment systems. So in that case, three more months guys, just three more months. Oh, Netflix, you funny, funny little company, seriously, what is going on over there? Netflix has announced that their basic ad-free plan is no longer available in the United States or the United Kingdom. That's right, you heard me. Netflix has made a very significant pricing shakeup by removing its cheapest ad-free plan called The Basic, which was $9.99 in the United States and the United Kingdom. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the move is expected to encourage new subscribers to opt for the more expensive subscription options, which would ultimately boost revenue for the streaming giant. The current options for the new subscribers is the $6.99 standard plan, which which has ads, by the way, the $15.49 plan, which is called standard, and the $19.99 premium plan. The standard and premium are both ad-free. Now, while basic plan subscribers that are currently subscribing can continue to use the plan for now the changes are only going to apply to new or returning subscribers for the moment anyway according to Netflix officials the ad tier already earns more income per subscriber than the normal tier however they are claiming to be neutral about which tier users choose to subscribe to so the removal of the basic plan is pushing the new users to either the ad supported plans or the more expensive standard plan which is more than double the price of the ad-supported plan. Netflix's various subscriber plans, so the elimination of the BASIC plan in the U.S. is following a really similar move they made back over in Canada about last month. Netflix introduced the ad-supported tier known as BASIC with ads late last year in 2022, and it's now garnered nearly 5 million monthly active users according to the company's upfront advertising presentation they did back in May. While active users and subs are not the same thing, this shows a rising preference for the ad-supported plan. Gotta pay for all those canceled projects, right? Masters of the Universe, $30 million loss. Anywho, Netflix's aim to generate more revenue through their advertising appears to be successful, though. Back in April, the company reported that its paid membership base in Canada had surpassed the numbers prior to the launch of paid sharing. Revenue growth has also accelerated, and it's now outpacing the growth in the United States. But many users are arguing that having to pay more than double the cost of the ad-supportive plan to watch without ads just completely undermines the original appeal of subscribing to Netflix in the first place. We were cable cutting. We were trying to get away from the commercials, away from the ads, and it's just they're everywhere, The removal of the basic plan in Canada, as well as the new password sharing policy, has led to a big surge in new subscribers and an increasing preference for ad-supported subscription plans, particularly among those who can't afford the ad-free options. This shift has proven to be beneficial financially for Netflix. I mean, I guess the plan's working, so good for them. All I gotta say for now is please, please. Please do not mess up the live-action avatar of The Last Airbender. Haven't us fans suffered enough as it is? Please, thank you.
0: And now, for something different.
1: Weird and offbeat news lovers unite. I have stories for you. Well, apparently cocaine there wasn't enough. Now we may have to add sharks to the mix. Yes, that's what I said, sharks. Cocaine sharks may be feasting on bales of drugs off of the coast of Florida. Thousands of sharks off the coast may have been ingesting bales of cocaine that have been left in the water by drug smugglers attempting to get their product into the U.S. Marine biologist Tom Hurd wanted to examine whether the sharks have come in contact with the drug, which is actually the subject of a documentary that will premiere on Discovery Channel's Shark Week called cocaine sharks shark week's coming baby the deeper story here is the way that chemicals pharmaceuticals and illicit drugs are entering the waterways and the oceans and what effect that they could go on to have on these delicate ocean ecosystems this is what tom heard also known as the blowfish has been telling live science large bricks big bricks of cocaine from south and central america have washed ashore on Florida's beaches for decades. And the huge bales are often dumped at sea and then picked up by the drug smugglers on boats. So Heard set off to the Florida Keys to investigate where fishermen told tales of these drug-addled sharks consuming the bales. During one dive, they did find a hammerhead shark that was behaving strangely. In one experiment, Heard and the University of Florida environmental scientist Tracy Fanara created packages similar in size and appearance to the real cocaine bales. Can't imagine they would have used the real ones. They observed sharks heading straight for the bales and actually taking bites from them. In another experiment, they made a bait ball of highly concentrated fish powder, which would trigger a dopamine rush similar to a hit of cocaine. And the sharks apparently went wild. Heard said in the film, I think we have got a potential scenario of what it may look like if you give sharks cocaine. We gave them what I think is the next best thing, I think. And it set their brains aflame. It was crazy, unquote. Now, Heard noted that what they observed doesn't mean that the sharks have actually consumed cocaine and said several factors should be considered and that the experiments would need to be repeated multiple times to draw a conclusion. I mean, look, it's bad enough that they may consume it on their own, but do we really have to try to feed it to them? Seriously? Cocaine sharks on the beaches? No, that's not really going to go well for tourist season at all. And keep in mind that the movie Jaws was filmed off the Florida coast, so you know maybe Jaws wasn't really after the people so much as he was just looking for his next fix. Food for thought, maybe? <laughs> In this day and age of the text and the emoji, which emojis really, in my opinion, are just a more recent form of hieroglyphics, you really got to watch and be careful what you say or don't say. And in this next case, the use of an emoji just completely backfired in the face of a Canadian farmer. The farmer has been ordered to pay more than $82,000 Canadian, which is about $61,000 American, In damages over an emoji confusion confusion that a Saskatchewan judge resolved by ruling that a thumbs up image is enough to accept contractual terms. So what actually happened was that Chris Atchter, the owner of a farming company in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, had sent a thumbs up emoji in response to a photograph of a flax buying contract that was sent to him by a grains buyer back in 2021. Well, months pass, and later on, when the time of the delivery arrived, the buyer, which had been doing business with Atcher for several years, never received his flex shipment. The buyer, Southwest Terminal, argued that the emoji implied acceptance of contractual terms, while Atcher said he used the thumbs-up image only to indicate that he had received the contract, but not to indicate his agreement. Well, that started a major dispute that led to a far-flung search for the equivalent of the Rosetta Stone in cases from Israel, New York State, and some tribunals in Canada to unearth what exactly does the thumbs-up emoji mean. In a summary judgment littered with, like, 24 instances of this emoji, Judge T.J. Keane said, quote, I am satisfied on the balance of probabilities that Chris okayed or approved the contract, just like he had done before, except this time he used the thumbs-up emoji, unquote. Keene did go on to say a little bit later in his judgment that, quote, in my opinion, the signature requirement was met by the thumbs-up emoji originating from Chris and his own unique cell phone, unquote. All right, well, now we know that a thumbs-up emoji is a contractually binding symbol. Use your thumbs wisely, my friends. Use your thumbs wisely. Well, good graciousness, what a trip we had. We talked about some emojis, Payday 3, some Missing Kid, uh, Tupac, and Spongebob. You know, just when you thought this show couldn't get any wilder, right? Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to take a moment to remind you that I do include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what we see and more. Also, don't forget to drop a comment or send us an email if there's a story you want us to cover or, you know, want to say hi. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember, guys, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun.
0: To The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips. For your chance to be on the show, we invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.